48-hour art check. Best of podcast. We go live Monday, Wednesday on YouTube, 9 p.m. California time, and you can join us there live in the chats or watch them later. You can always check things out at coreykerr.com slash 48HR. We take the best conversations from those live streams and rip them and put them into this podcast. Today's topic is how to balance and get things done in art, but also in all the other things that you need to do. So, um, Scott, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. So I guess what brought this whole topic up was um, I there's there's uh, some home improvement stuff I've been putting off for a really long time. And um, one of them was to kind of redo some kitchen remodeling, not not like like mate, I don't know if you can say, maybe major, maybe basically stuff I can do myself. Like uh, I was basically refinished my, my kitchen cabinets. Um, and foolishly, I, I thought that I could sort of do that in a weekend and it ended up taking over, over a week, <laughs> which I, I probably should have known, but I'm not, I mean, with artwork and stuff, I'm pretty good at gauging how long it will take. But things like that, it's just that I don't do all the time, um, uh, not so much. So uh, so I was kind of like, oh, you know, even though I'm, you know, it's it's fun for me because I'm doing something I don't necessarily do all the time. And I, I'm really happy with the results and the way it looks. Um, but it just took so much longer that my artwork was getting pushed aside that I I, you know, even coming to this art check, I'm like, well, I kind of failed this week because I didn't, I didn't, you know, my artwork kind of got pushed aside. But, but then I started to think that I really, you know, I really accomplished something big, something that I've been putting off for so long. And yeah. even though it took a week, I mean, I know, like, because my ex girlfriend kind of did the same thing and uh, a while back, and uh, you know, her kitchen was kind of, you know it was kind of, she worked on it kind of intermediately and it was like, like that for like maybe a month or so. And I probably should have took that as a hint, but I just thought, well, I'm just going to bust through this. I'm not going to take like a lot of breaks or, you know, I'm just going to, you know, because of course you have to wait for things to dry and all those other kinds of things. So you can't necessarily just push through everything. Um, so, but yeah, it ended up taking longer, but, but now that it's done, it's like, you know, whenever I walk and that, you know, when you, when you finish something, I mean, eventually it'll kind of go away because you'll get so used to it. But after you finish a project like that, and every time you look at it, you're like, ah, yeah, it looks pretty good. I can't believe that's done now. And I don't have to worry about it. So, yeah. you know, I was thinking these are things that I really need to start making priorities or, or, or block out uh, areas of time to work on, you know, whether it's home improvement, whether it's, you know, going out and, you know, you know, with friends or, or doing more stuff with, with my kids or, or all those type of things. I really, I, I think, I think it would make sense to try to really fit those into the schedule a little more than that, than I have been because it's super rewarding to do that stuff as much as, you know, as, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm fortunate enough to do something for a living that I love to do with art and everything. So, um, but there's, there's, you know, sometimes there's more to life than just that. So, yeah. So the question, the question I've got is how do you balance that? Um, 
with resistance, which can often come in the form of like a really deep seated desire to do things that you've been avoiding. Like if I, if I've got to do, you know, if I'm, I'm going to go in and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get a bunch of stuff done on my projects. I've got, I've got everything lined up and I really, you know, need to make some progress. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh man, you know, it'd be really cool is if I sharpened all the pencils in my house or if I, you know, did all the dishes all of a sudden, or, you know, like there's kind of like, Boy, like those cupboards that I've been meaning to reorganize for a year suddenly look really appealing to reorganize. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. So how do you how do you balance that idea? Because it's an interesting, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting concept. Um, well, the, the interesting thing is, like, if I would have known it was going to take a week over a week to do it, I probably wouldn't have done it. So maybe it was good that I thought it would only take a week. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and then, I get, you know, and as you do it, you kind of learn, you're like, OK, it, it takes a lot. It's it's, you know, just things I didn't consider, like installing all the knobs and the hardware and drilling those things and, and having to take the time to measure it, make sure it's right. Cause once you drill, drill them, if you mess up, then you're in trouble. So luckily I didn't. Um, but you know, that stuff took a long time. Just, just putting all the hinges and thing back on and, you know, and then after I got all those up, I'm looking at some of the, you know, the walls and stuff. I'm like, well, the, the, the cabinets look great, but some of these other walls are kind of scuffed up. So I figured, well, I might as well touch up that and just do some other work in the kitchen. And Josh was talking about organizing cupboards. And I'm like, well, since I've got all the doors off and I can see all this stuff in my cupboards, I need to start getting rid of stuff and organizing things. And, and then also the cleanup, like my garage is still a huge mess. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, if, if I, if I didn't know that I probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have taken that on. So I, I think I kind of strayed away from the original question, but, um, what was, the, what was so, the, so yeah, I'll, I'll rephrase the question. Okay, yeah. the, the idea is basically like, um, I, I will do almost anything other than sitting down and getting, the work done that I need to get done sometimes, you know, and so my question on any, anytime that we talk about anything along these lines, I think it's good. I went probably two months without mowing my lawn this summer and that, that wasn't good. You know, I got a ton done. I was able to, you know, finish an animated short that is now award winning, which is kind of cool. But at the same time, like my wife was embarrassed about what our neighbors thought of us. And so, you know, like I could have, balance that out but at the same time i've also done things where i haven't gotten much done because for weeks on end i am doing all kinds of things that pop up that i wouldn't normally do you know um and so my question is how do you gauge or balance um when it is resistance and when it's something that you need to happen because i think equally on the opposite side um, you know, of avoiding doing your work is only doing your work to the destruction of the balance in your life and yeah. your relationships and your job. I mean, uh, I recently saw on Twitter, somebody who said, Hey, just, you know, like give it a half a effort at work so that you can really pour your heart and soul into your personal project. And I find that to be horrifically dishonest. Yeah. Um, and so, you have to have some sort of balance 
And that's, and that's, that's what I wonder. I wonder about, I wonder about how you, how you come into play with, um, you know, getting the things done that you need to get done, getting the stuff done that you want to get done and moving forward on your, on your projects at a, at a pace that makes sense for what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, for whatever reason, I'm pretty good at not like doing a lot of extraneous things like things that just are kind of a huge waste of time i mean i do to the point where i really sometimes i just feel like i need to sit and relax you know and you know maybe watch tv or something like that um and i've been asked about that before like well how do you do that how do you get so much done and you know i i don't know i just if it's just wired in me or something not that there's other things there's there's always there's always distractions and things like that like but it's usually i get distracted by like other tasks that need to be done too that aren't like you know just that aren't like just useless things that don't really need to be done i don't know what that is I, i i don't know it's hard for me to to explain but so you know yeah i mean like so i i got a couple points like one one is just touching on what what scott was talking about at the beginning um i think it's really important to kind of schedule um things that are priority to your life um within your schedule as well as art and i think the first 10 or 12 years of my life as a freelance artist when I was just, when it was just full bore illustration design. Um, I just kind of did illustration and design and cartooning to the detriment of everything. Yeah. Uh, and I saw some of the repercussions of that, like in friendships and my relationship in my own mental health, like um, you can go too hard. Like, <laughs> Um, and what's weird is you can go too hard to the point where it actually becomes a detriment of the work that you're going too hard for. Like you can actually get in a bubble where your life is so based on work that it actually causes your work to suffer. Um, and, and so I've caught myself there before. And because of that, I, I really do find it to be really important to have certain things to fit into my schedule. Um, and make them like non-priority things like, you know, time with my son, that's non-priority, like not non-priority, non-negotiable. So it's, it's a non-negotiable is time with my son. Like every, every night I read to my son, come hell or high water, it's going to happen every night. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a band that we write and do music and I prioritize that as a really huge priority. And it's mainly because, the people that I'm in a band in the band with I'm friends with. So it's time with my friends and I do that once a week. And I think that's really important for mental health to have some time with your friends. And if you're like, we are, I think like the way we're kind of built to be creative. Um, if you can make that time where you're actually making something, um, awesome. So, so that's a huge thing. Um, the, there's so many things around the house that I need to do like that. So to me, like you talking about refinishing cabinets, it's like, I think for anybody who's a homeowner, it's like that kind of thing is inevitable. Like we have a backyard that needs to be completely landscaped. 
we have like a garage that's a mess. It's just collected stuff since we moved here. And like, I've been gradually just chipping away at that, like every single weekend. And I do try to dedicate time every single weekend to work on that, even if I'm chipping away at it, because it is important. Um, and then just maintenance, like ma maintaining a house, you know? Um, but I totally see what Corey is talking about with that because that's a struggle of mine, just knowing resistance. It's like, especially those big projects like this comic. Um, I would say today, the point where it kind of crossed over for me um, was the point where I'm cleaning the garage, which is something that needs to be done. And when I'm done with that because of a flight of fancy, cause I'm like, huh, I wonder if, do I need to throw this guitar away or like, is this something I should give away? Or like, I wonder if I could actually just fix it up and make it a decent guitar again, you know? Yeah. That's where I'd say I kind of was just giving into resistance and not doing the things I knew I should be doing. And instead just kind of chasing a flight of fancy because do I need like that particular guitar? No, I have a great acoustic guitar. I don't need another functioning acoustic guitar. Now, if that were a priority and it's like, Hey, I need a, a backup acoustic guitar. I'll make this a project. Then I could schedule it in, you know, but I, I feel like in that case, even though I had a success at it, when I was done with it, it's not like having my kitchen cabinets refinished, but it's like something kind of important. It adds the value of your house, you know, <laughs> like it was just kind of like, well, now I got another guitar that I, I have no, you know, it's like a hobby kind of thing. Um, however, I am realizing from that, like, you know, one of my, I think my hobby more than like playing video games is probably going to be like refurbing and just messing around with guitars, like, <laughs> cause I really enjoy it. Um, and I do play them and use them. So, but I, but for me, I think the, the catch is like, I think if it's starting to detract from the work, um, it, it just depends on like the priority. Like if it's detracting from the work, but it's something that's higher up in your own list of priorities. Like for instance, for me, family is like my immediate family is way above my art in priority. So if there's a conflict there, I, I, I tend to sway towards family. Um, and so if that's like my wife needs the garage, like to be functional and clean, then I need to make that a priority. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but it is, it's, it's really hard to know when it's resistance or not, because a lot of the time resistance can have you doing a lot of great things. Like, you know, like when you sit down to the art table, I've definitely had those moments where I've left a, a sink full of dirty dishes. And the second I go down to draw, I'm like, huh, I should do the dishes. You know what I mean? Like, um, and then, oh, once I'm done with that, it's like, well, maybe I should throw in some laundry. Because, you know, for some reason, the whole day I was comfortable leaving the laundry until I try to sit down and do art. And suddenly laundry is super important. Um, and keep in mind, like, you you do have to schedule laundry in your life like every human being does. You have to schedule and doing dishes and doing, you know, priority, just basic life stuff. Right. But I, I think timing is a good giveaway. Like, it, if it's literally like you're going to sit down, but there's this thing I got to get to, you know, and, um, I don't know. It's, I, it, it's hard. I, I want to pin it down more than just a gut thing. Well, I think, I think part of what you said is super helpful in that um, I like the idea of, 
uh, always like weighing the consequences, you know, and, and cause consequences can be good or bad. And for example, uh, I put off fixing, uh, our car for a while and it caused a problem. Like my wife and I had words about it and like, ultimately I should have done that. And she's been waiting for me to do that for a while, right? Several, like about six weeks. And, uh, and there, you know, I got a lot done in that time period, but the consequences of that were that I, I was inconveniencing my wife, which isn't, which isn't worth it. But like it, fixing the guitar at the end of that situation, had you thought beforehand, like, what if I, what do I get out of this? Um, at the end of it, you're like, Oh, I get like a, like a crappy guitar that works again that I don't need. Cause I already have something that can help you weigh, you know, that situation where you're like, nah, okay. So maybe I shouldn't do this. And it kind of reminds me of, um, there's this Shakespearean, uh, it's not so much a play as it is like a short, I don't know what you call it. It's not a sonnet, but it's like a, it's like a short play, um, called the rape of Lucrece. And, um, he, he goes in there and there's this guy who is horrible. He's a horrible individual trying to weigh out in his mind, whether he's going to try to overtake this woman or not. And he says, what win I, if I gain the thing I seek, um, uh, and I can't remember exactly what it says, but it's like a froth, a breath, um, something of fleeting joy, um, who for a moment's mirth, you know, would, uh, would be struck down and all this type, type of thing. So he goes through and he basically is like, you know, if I do that, I get, you know, what, what are the end results of this thing? Uh, I've got, now I've got to find the quote cause I mangled it, but at the end results of this thing are, um, good and worth it and lasting, then it's probably worth doing it. But if the end results of this are, you know, I get some instantaneous momentary pleasure and then I'm, I'm killed or imprisoned or, you know, all this type of stuff. And so he's, he's kind of going through and weighing the consequences of his actions. And I mean, that's a horrific, uh, you know, example to give, but, um, but I mean, Shakespeare is going through this process that I think is really helpful to be like, I want this thing really bad right now. Uh, what are the end results of this? Yeah. If it's, if it's momentary um, and then there's a bunch of negativity that comes after that, it's not worth it. But if it's lasting um, and maybe there's some negativity up front, um, but it's lasting goodness uh, after the after the initial negativity. Maybe that's maybe that's something that you should go for. And so yeah. I don't want to fix the car. I think it's miserable. I hate working on things. I don't like doing that crap. But like you know, nine, 90 minutes of crappy stuff, and then uh, I you know solidify things. It helps people out that I love and that type of thing. It's great. You know, but like spending a few hours on a guitar that you don't need, and at the end of it, don't really want or whatever. It might have felt good doing it, but the the lasting effect isn't worth it. Yeah, and I mean it's weird because it's like I, you know it's playable, and I'll probably mess around on it and use it, but I didn't need it. And once again, if that's like a hobby, I need to schedule it just like it's a hobby, right? Um, and not let it interfere with like the non negotiables, and so. Um, I will say though, like, there's also something to be said for like on this topic for like, you know, occasionally having a day off is not necessarily like the most evil thing. 
Yeah. One thing I'm aware of though, and this gets into the resistance thing is like, I realize like tomorrow I'm working on creative work. That is priority. That's important. Um, you know, and that's mostly going to be the music side of things, but that's like a lasting thing. Like we're actually making a record and like whether other people find that important or not, I, I think it's important because we're oh, making, yeah. um, and we're making art and I think that's cool um, and valuable. But, you know, if tomorrow or the next day I'm not back on, into working on the comic, I know that that can become a year very quickly. Right. Um, and so that to me is like the big cautionary tale that I think is really important for us as creatives to like always kind of have, not that you should guilt yourself. Like here's, here's the catch. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't really feel a lot of guilt about messing with that guitar all day today. I don't, <laughs> I, I feel bad that I haven't done my comic, but I also feel relieved. Like I, I feel like I, and this could be resistance talking, but I feel like I've really needed a day to just kind of goof off. And a lot of people on their first day of vacation will spend a whole day, you know, playing video games or something. I spent most of my day, like cleaning the garage, hanging out with my kid and like, you know, fixing up an old guitar and making it playable. You know, So like, I, I don't feel a ton of guilt. However, um, I do know how it works. And I know that like, if, there's a fine line between a break and a and and completely giving into resistance, and it's a very thin line. So, for me, I will I will be concerned. I hope you guys would be concerned if, like, it's like you know, two days from now, it's not even a thought to like kind of break in like some time to actually make this thing happen. Yeah, because in that case. Uh, you know, that's where I got to start having that real assessment of like, is this the thing I wanted to do? Is it something I envisioned doing? Because if it is, I need to be doing it. You know, um, we've, yeah. we've, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but like we've all known authors and writers and artists who, you know, got halfway through their novel and then stopped writing. And you're like, what do you want to do? And they're like, well, I want to write. I want to finish my novel. And you're like, okay, well, when was the last time you worked on my, on your novel? Well, I haven't opened it in like four months. And you're like, yeah. well, then you don't want to work on your novel. You yeah. know, if you, if you wanted to work on your novel, you would open it. Like yep. work on it. If you wanted, if you'd wanted to do it, you'd do it. Yeah, for sure. I, I found that quote and I, I love this quote and I used to have it memorized. So I want to, um, I want to go in here. Um, what when I, if I gain the thing I seek, a dream, a breath, a froth of fleeting joy, who buys a minute's mirth to wail a week or sells eternity to get a toy for one sweet grape, who will the vine destroy or what fond beggar, but to touch the crown would with the scepter straight be struck down. It's like one of my, one of my favorite quotes and I used to have it memorized and it's been too long. I like so it. I got to rememorize it again. But yeah, it's just it's just a good reminder of like um, you know weigh weigh the consequences, and sometimes the consequences are if I don't take a break, I will break. You know, I mean, like I don't I don't think that everything that you do has to be productive. I actually think that's an unhealthy way to live. And so, like, oftentimes uh, I will play video games for a couple hours. You know, maybe once a week, every every other week or so, and uh, and I can tell by the way that I feel. Um, 
whether or not that's in excess. Yeah. You know, and, and at times it's like, you know, I turn on an audio book. Um, I hang out with my daughter while I play rocket league and then she goes to bed and I, and I, and I play for a little bit and it's, it's great. It's really relaxing. It's a nice way to unwind. Um, and it's really nice. And there are other times where it's like afterwards, I'm like, just kind of in this like days of, yeah. Like what, if, what do I have? Like numbing, you know, numbing fog. This is another thing that I find really useful is if you're using the behavior to numb something, if mm-hmm. you, then it's, it's always, it's always a negative behavior. Yeah. You know? yeah and I think that's, um, that's brilliant because like, I, I, I do think that is a real, like even today, part of why I don't feel any guilt or whatever is when I was done, I didn't have that moment of like, what have I done? You know, like, um, I, I literally have that when I, when I binge and, you know, and I would actually consider that like a binge where it's like, you know, if I just, um, play final fantasy for like a whole day and then I'm like, wait, what was I like, what happened today? And like, the other thing is like that weird feeling and question of like, what am I left with? Like, meaning like, you know, when you're working on a project, it's like you finish and you have this, 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 um, sense of achievement. Whereas a lot of those fleeting things, you're just kind of like, you have this brief moment of joy. And then you're like, well, what was, what did I get? Like you, you do end up with this feeling of like, well, what's the payoff now? Like there's, that was a lot of wasted time, you know? And so I, I do think that's a huge thing. I think Scott's, thing is a perfect example too because that's something where you know like a year and a half from now you're not going to like walk past that and be like what did i do you're going to be like thank god i took care of that you know like because that's that's just that kind of stuff like you gotta keep up you know you gotta kind of maintain uh the, the stuff you have like and sometimes that means like doing mechanics on your car and sometimes it means you know like refinishing cabinets and stuff um for us, we bought a, a house that's in okay shape, but you know, it's it's got some 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 stuff <laughs> that really needs reworking, and yeah. we knew that going in. But like a lot of that stuff is sitting for when we have the income or the time, and uh, those you know, I, I do think the idea of like scheduling that in equally is is a smart idea. Like it's also smart to schedule that kind of thing so it doesn't consume the entire thing you know like if you don't schedule that stuff in art could become like this all-consuming thing where everything goes by the wayside and then like the the basic things the necessities of of your life like can fall apart while your art is being achieved which could then be really detrimental to your own health and your own well-being right right similarly if all you pay attention to is like all the home upgrades, like, you know, as homeowners, I think we all know, like, that's a rabbit hole. Like, you could end up, you know, oh, what are we going to get? I'm going to get new doors and I'm going to, like, rework the, and then it's like, well, the windows could use better ceiling and that, like, the whole thing could just keep going eternally forever. So scheduling that also gives you the brilliant part of, like, limiting it, right? Because you could be like, okay, well, I can put an hour in on this tomorrow right as opposed to being like you know booking yeah so i, th- I think that's actually pretty brilliant 
but yeah, you're you're right about it being really hard to kind of measure the the balance between. Yeah. Um, and I think I think this is good. The key to is to try to adapt with change. Um, Victor's saying this in the chats. Priorities always change at some point or another. Like Bruce Lee said, you have to be like water. And I really like I really like the idea of of bringing in kind of the martial arts um, or athletics or whatever into this discussion because, um, like, I, I never did martial arts, but I I was a three sport athlete in high school and. You have like ready position, which is which is pretty basic in most sports, where your your legs are your feet are about shoulder width apart, your your chest is is hovering above your knees. You're kind of in a crouch position, and your your lower and your knees are a little bit bent. But while that is a good basic position to be in in most situations, like depending on what happens, um, what your teammates do where the ball is, what the other team is doing, what's going on, you have to react. Like you're in that position so that you can adjust and adapt. Um, not, not because that's where you need to be and that the ball is going to come to you. It's like you're, you're there ready and aware to make the adaptations and the changes um, that you need to make um, rather than what they call being on your heels. And uh, one of my, I'll tell, I'll tell a fun story. So I am not tall. I'm five, six on a good day. And uh, I had a roommate in college who he was just like one of those dudes that was just like super attractive. The girls would just fall over, fall all over themselves just to talk to him. And he was, he was like six, three. And, you know, I mean, just, uh, but the greatest, the greatest thing, I really liked this guy. He was a super nice guy, but I also really enjoyed, uh, you know, dominating him on in things. And we were playing volleyball and I got a, I got a hit where I was able to, um, I was able to from the back row kind of leap across the back row line and, and, and spike it. And I, and it's called a tattoo. I tattooed him, which is I nailed him right in the chest and just flattened him on his back. And he slid back about six feet because I hit him. I hit him so hard with the ball, but had he been in ready position, ready to adjust, um, you know, he would have been able to, to pass it. Um, but because he was on his heels, he wasn't ready to adjust and wasn't expecting it to happen. Um, and, and so it's not that you need to like be a precog and like know what is going to happen, but it's that you need to be in a position where you're ready to assess like, you know, right now my relationship with my wife is more important than this, or right now I need to make sacrifices. And I remember, I had been working super hard on my, when I first got into illustration, I was doing this web comic and um, it, it, I, for a little over a year, I was, I was producing like a full colored page a week. Um, and, uh, and, and that included like the writing and the, and the illustration and the ink and the colors and everything. And, uh, and I was really proud of like those 66 pages that I was able to do, but um to be able to keep my job or to apply for the position that would as a more permanent position, I had to get a master's degree. And so I looked at everything in my life and I said, full-time job, full-time family, you know, like comic work, uh, this, that, and the other thing, church and whatnot. And, uh, and something had to give. And so I had to, I had to hit pause on my personal project um, for 14 months. while I got a, well, I got a master's degree. Yeah. Cause it just, it was an untenable situation. There was just wasn't enough time to do it at all in the day. And I literally had to like schedule out like an hour 
of time to spend with my family every day uh, and, and, and whatnot. But that, that was an adjustment that I needed to make and I was ready to make it, but it was a really hard decision. Yeah. Um, and I actually have never come back to, um, I've never come back to, to that comic, even though I really love that story. And one of these days uh, I've rewritten the first couple chapters, but, uh, but, but you have to adjust and you've, you've got to prioritize. And there, there are times in your life where, school is going to be more important than things and work is going to be more important than things and family is going to be more important than things and personal projects can be more important. And I actually think it's pretty rare where you have to eliminate a major thing from your life. Um, but, but sometimes you do have to do that. Yeah. Um, and kind of on the same note, uh, there's this great Eisenhower quote, um, where she said, uh, in preparing for battle, I've always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. Yeah. And so the point of that is like, it's important to plan. It's important to kind of schedule things out. But at the same time, like if you're, if you're hedging all your bets on everything going to plan, um, you're heading to failure. So it's like, you kind of, you kind of do have to plan as much as you can and, and plan knowing that a lot of those plans are going to fly out the window when it's, when it's game time. And, yeah. uh, and that's, that's good. All right. Um, any, anything else we should kind of add to this, this uh, topic um, before we kind of wrap it? Balance is good. I don't know. Scott, any, uh, I, Josh and I've been talking for a while and you got yours out in the beginning, but any, any final thoughts? Not other other than just I'm really going to, you know, I'm going to kind of go back through my Trello board because I, I do kind of when I set it usually in the beginning of the year and we're getting close to there, you know, um, I do kind of set that aside. I set that stuff up and I do have I mean, there is home improvements and everything on that board. But for whatever reason, sometimes I don't even go back and check it. It's just kind of like it keeps getting pushed back. So I think I think really trying to focus on everything as a whole, even though, you know, I have these to do things that just kind of get pushed aside. But, but like Josh said, I mean, I accomplished something that now that it's done, I mean, it's, I mean, it's something that it's not something that's like, you know, if you say you want to learn how to cook a really cool meal and you cook it, and you eat it. And it's, and that, that was a cool experience, but it's not like a lasting thing. I mean, this, this is something that's going to, you know, be there for, for a long time. I mean, so, so, and you know, that's kind of a cool thing. And there's some other things like that, 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 you know, I, I want to do too. And, you know, and, and really get my house to a certain point where I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of happy with it because I used to do that kind of stuff all the time. And then I got to a point where I did a lot of that stuff, but then as time goes on, you know, whether styles change or, or, you know, things get run down or whatever, um, you kind of have to revisit some of that stuff. So. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you on that. Cause I, I want to Marie Kondo a, a lot of this crap uh, in her house. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, I think the key takeaway from this that I I have is like first off I need to get back kind of on track with my own work by I'd say at minimum like the night of our our next art check although I don't know if we're art checking because if you're in a blizzard man maybe we should skip it for Thanksgiving and and come back 
I will be in a blizzard tomorrow night. I will not be in a blizzard Wednesday night. So we can Uh, can do, we can do a quick one. I'm I'm down for a quick one. We'll do a quick one. So Wednesday, either before or after the art check, I need to have some progress on quarterly. Um, But also I do need to schedule in more of that kind of working in the house and like even things like I'm realizing I really enjoy kind of working on guitars. Like it's kind of a fun thing and uh, it's something I make art with. So like I should actually include that as my downtime, Um, you know, and then like I think between that and the Mandalorian, I'll be pretty good for, uh, for my free time. I'm impressed that we have gone a whole show and not just talked about the Mandalorian. Yeah, I could do that too. That's that's like the one show that like I usually I usually get into like one show before I think the last show I watched was The Dark Crystal and now it's kind of Mandalorian because I don't I don't watch a whole lot of TV other than just stuff in the background while I'm working. But yeah, that's one that I definitely have to sit down and watch and I'm digging it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah and for for those watching without giving anything away or getting too in the weeds with it, we'll just say if you get to the third episode, it's that'll get you in. If you're a Star Wars fan, I think that third episode will be your complete buy-in. Oh, I think the first one will get you in. <laughs> first, I, there each each one is really good, and and it's one of those shows where it's like, oh, it's over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. man, the, these are so short. I mean, they're thirty-minute episodes, but at the same time, I'm like, oh. It went so fast. Yeah, I feel bad. Like I, I, because I, when I first, I don't want to get too much of this, but, but like I, my Roku was out of date, so I, I had signed up for the service and everything, but I couldn't watch it till like you know it was probably four or five days in. It was you know I think the second episode was out before I got to watch it, so I'm trying to avoid spoilers and everything, and I, I was lucky enough to do that, but. Um, and there's one spoiler. It's almost the, the kind of the main crux of the, the 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 thing that it's kind of unavoidable. It's all over the internet. If you haven't seen it already, you're lucky if you have, you know, if you don't want to see it. But, if you um, have, but I really, you might not have electricity, and you might. Well, no, no. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Disney Plus. If you're in like Europe or someplace, Disney Plus doesn't come out till like next year. So, the, I mean, it's like, how do you? I mean, how do you, but Twitter, Twitter still exists, and uh, yeah. So I, well, I mean, that's I, what I'm if you want, if you were in Europe and you wanted to avoid that spoiler, I mean, you're pretty much out of luck because I mean, how do you? You can't avoid that. So yeah, I don't know. All right, we're getting way in the weeds yeah. about Mandalorian. We got we got to go. We just need to have an after show yeah. about Mandalorian. We could work that into the art check. Just analysis of the Mandalorian. Do you want to spend five or ten minutes on that? We could put a limit on it. Oh, you guys! You get I don't know it. how you could talk about it without the that one major kind of spoiler. Well, we, we just give a spoiler warning if you, if oh, you yeah, yeah. get out, get out. If you haven't seen it, go watch it and come back. All right, spoiler warning. We'll give it about I, one, two, three, maybe five more seconds. Need like a, we need like a spoiler warning uh, label or something. Okay. Um, okay. Spoiler warnings. So now we're going to spoil. All right. All right. So So, go ahead, Scott. I was just going to say, you know, I go into it thinking that this is going to be a Western, which it kind of is, but then it ends up being like lone wolf and cub. So it's like, and I'm digging it. It's like, 
Yeah, I was not kind of expecting that. That's so. what I was talking about with the third episode. It's like the the first, it's like kind of establishing it. It's interesting. It's like, okay, I'm getting this. It's going to be like a bounty hunter in space kind of story. And then the second, it's like, okay, that's an interesting twist. The third is where it like solidifies, oh, it's Lone Wolf and Cub. Like this right. is brilliant. Because like that, to bring that narrative like that and the road, like the whole kind of, you know, protector, like traveling with like this vulnerable, you know, infant or child. Um, it's just like, it's such a, such a good twist to have in the star Wars universe. Um, and, and that's a plot that you can go so long with, like, there's no real end to that plot. Like, you know, like, yeah, and I don't think anyone I similar, like not, not Lone Wolf and Cub, but a similar plot device where you could continue that formula for episodes onto existence, you know, the traveling, you know, thing. And th this is a really, yeah. Yeah. I also, I, I also, I mean, Josh and I have, I think Josh was slightly shocked at my, uh, the depth of my knowledge of random Star Wars species and history. And I will say that I want to know about Yoda's species and, and have forever. There's two things that I have always been ever since I was a kid, super interested in who are the Mandalorians and what is going on with that. Right. And what is Yoda? And then there was a little bit in the nineties where we had Yaddle, where somebody came along and they were like, all right, let's make like a younger Yoda. And uh, and they came up with this character who didn't look like Yoda. He was definitely the same Yoda species. Uh, we are, we're pretty sure that she's a female. Um, and then what I love about that is when they decided, okay, if we want to make a younger looking Yoda, let's just give him sideburns. That's kind of what they did in the prequel was they gave Yoda sideburns and then that was younger Yoda. And the other younger Yoda design became Yaddle, which was a member of the, uh, of the uh, Jedi council until um, just in the first or second movie. And then she was gone. We don't know what she did or where she went, but she didn't die at that point in time that we're aware of, at least on screen. And then those are the only two known canon Yoda species is Yoda and Yaddle. And then uh, all of a sudden we get, uh, we get baby Yoda. And that's, that's the thing in this that I am so fascinated about is I have always wanted to know um, about the Mandalorians. And if you're looking at the, um, uh, Clone Wars cartoon. Um, there, there are two versions of that cartoon, and nobody remembers the first one. But the first one was legit. It was oh really yeah, the Tartakovsky one, right? Yes, and it is so yeah, good. I got that on DVD. Yeah, yeah, me too. It is so good. I mean, that's where you find out that Mace Windu is a serious bad A, and uh, and there's like all kinds of stuff, and it is a significantly more convincing. Uh, path to the dark side for Anakin from Anakin to Darth than anything that ever they'd ever did in live action. Yeah. Um, it's way more, way better. And then cartoon network came out and they produced the, the, the thing. And there is this whole arc. I think it's in season four, five. There's this whole arc about 
Mandalore the planet and how it's this old kind of warrior state that was then turned into a democracy um, that then was being overthrown by like this undercurrent of people who wanted violence instead of wanted, um, wanted, uh, wanted peace. And so then there became this, this inner struggle and you learned a ton about Mandalorians. And so I've been super interested to see what's going on because are Mandalorians genetic or is Mandalorian uh, a lifestyle? Because in this one, I don't know if the main character that they call Mando, yeah. um, I don't know if he's genetically Mandalorian, if he is an orphan that was raised under well, the Mandalorian code. Talking about younglings or foundlings. Um, foundlings, right. Me, I'm like, so does that mean this is kind of like a, I mean, it's definitely clear that there's like a religious element to like the armor and like the, the, the fighting and stuff like that. But what's interesting is, is that also how you become like a Mandalorian? Like, does it only happen with like, like, is it some kind of adoption scenario? I watched a whole like, uh, or, you know, listen to it. Uh, you know, it was on, it's on YouTube, the whole dot. And there's probably a few of them out there, but documentary and some of it's not canon anymore because it's from uh, legends, but, but yeah, they go through the whole thing, and some of that. At one point, it was sort of a race, and then oh, it. Careful, Corey, flagging. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm gonna get flagged in. But if it's only a couple seconds, maybe they won't. <laughs> but, Sorry, go ahead. No, so I think at one point it was sort of a race or like a planet, like you said, and then it, it, it and then it kind of transitioned, and then they go through the whole the, the whole history of everything. It's, oh, but uh, well, as far as the Yoda thing, I, I don't. I personally, I don't want to know more about. I think some things need to be mysterious, and that's one of the reasons why I'm glad they didn't make a a Boba Fett uh, story. Why they picked picked the different character because we kind of already learned about. Boba Fett's history from from uh, you know from the from the prequels and stuff, which yeah, you know, I think just story wise, like I mean, it would be tough because they'd have to go like way pre Sarlacc pit. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll, I I think we can like confidently say that uh, Boba Fett is one of the lamest Mandalorians that's ever ever existed. I mean, he is he's all talk and no action. I mean, he basically sort of got like kind of bumped into like his death. You just sort of like, it was like, oh, 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 and he's dead all of a sudden. Every every other Mandalorian that has showed up. Is- an introduction to where there is now a series called the Mandalorian because enough people thought he was awesome. But I will say, I will, I will say will- this. Uh, I just want to real quick, the, the Mandalorian, the character in this show, he's not, he, he's a badass, but he definitely has his moments where he's, he fails or whatever. And I like that. I like it. He's more, there's definitely a lot more human moments. Um, Dude, it's not totally badass, And that's, that's the end 100%. of it. The, uh, the, the thing that's also kind of outstanding about the show that I was really impressed by it and really hit home on the third was the, the fact that they're getting so much emotion from a blank mask. Yeah. Like they're, they're like missing the big identifier of an actor, which is just like, you're never seeing his face and yet they get so much emotion out of him um, just from like the way that they're filming it and the angle that they're doing it and like all the kind of silent uh, cues. 
I don't know. It's just very impressive that they can get that much emotion out of like just a, a mask that's like with no face. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. If it was yeah. a Marvel movie, they'd have to keep taking off their mask or their helmet or whatever. You know. Yeah. But I like it. And, and uh, I keep ho- kind of hoping they'll never remove his mask. Like, like I hope the series ends yeah. and you never really see his face. I think they're going to remove it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, put money, I'll put money on it. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why I think they're going to remove it is because they made it a big deal that he hadn't removed his helmet. Yeah. And also that actor is like, you know, I, from, from women I know in, in my life, especially from Narcos or whatever, I guess he's very attractive to women. So I, I would imagine they probably want to want to cash in on that at some point. Sure. Okay. I have two things to say. One Boba Fett didn't, didn't cause everybody to be excited about Mandalorians the design, the character yeah. design is what right. did it. Like it's a legit looking dude. I love how he looks. I love the armor. I love the helmet. I love the lore. I love the, the mythos of it, but like he was the lamest bounty hunter. Okay. There's that. I have one last question though. Oh, well hit your second. Okay. My, my second one. I can't remember. Oh, dang it. I had one and it was what were we talking about? Because it was something. Oh, right. You Scott, you were saying that that he 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 he's flawed. The thing that I find interesting is he's mainly really bad at fighting non-humans. So like he's pretty decent in a gunfight against bipedal people, but but as soon as you put him up against like some sort of creature or something, it like immediately starts kicking his butt. Yeah, I didn't yeah. notice that, but yeah, that's kind of true. So, okay, other weird thing, um, and and my wife and I were kind of noticing this on the first episode. So, do you think that like they all learned from Boba Fett the carbonite thing? Because like the carbonite thing wasn't Boba Fett's thing, and Boba Fett was actually kind of pissed that solo was frozen in carbonite and concerned that. Yeah. I was curious about that. That seems like a little bit of fan service, but I like it, but yeah, but cause that wasn't, he wasn't even sure if he'd survive. So that had to be a new thing that they, you know, so, but you could see how the word, how the crew and go like, dude, okay. No, because here, here, I'll answer that question real quick. I mean, obviously, you know, Java is, was the big thing, you know, he was the, you know who's running now that he's dead who's running the galaxy as far as the underworld so you would have heard about han solo and how he had this trophy and then that was probably what 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 the word got around like oh this is a good way to like transport you know yeah i kind of bought it 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 still had my suspension of disbelief but the nerd in me was like wait a minute that was you know boba fett thing (laughs) yeah okay i have a question though now that we're way in the weeds is is Jabba a big deal? Like as a kid growing up, it seemed like it seemed like Jabba was a big deal. But like when you think about it, he's kind of stranded on a random desert planet that no one really cares about. Yeah, and that is because he runs, he runs that he How runs that planet well, and a lot of his relatives have kind of a network of the huts on other planets. But like they're not they're nothing like uh, uh, is it. It's not Yondo. That's the dude. But the the pirate, the pirate dudes, those guys are all over the place. But like he's kind of rocked. Yeah. I've well, gotten to read that like the huts are like everywhere and nowhere at the same time. They're like the new organized crime of syndicate of of the of that 
you know, um, like to me, I feel like he's out in the middle of nowhere because it's like the Godfather kind of hiding out and pulling his strings, you know, but like also spends throughout the whole universe. Also Tatooine, although it's like out in the middle of nowhere, the planet that's farthest from the center of the galaxy, according to Luke and everything, but there is that spaceport, there's most Eisley, and it seems like that's a place where the, sort of the underworld people go. Like, to, there's a lot of travel to that, probably because it is sort of on the outskirts. Mm-hmm. So I think, and again, this isn't canon anymore, but I remember like in, like I've been listening to, there's a, somebody who's animating uh, on YouTube, they're animating Heir to the Empire, that sort of that first Star Wars set of novels that happened after, which isn't canon but happen right. after, you know, after Return of the Jedi. And there's a whole thing about, uh, you know, there he's, uh, I guess Han Solo is trying to recruit pilots and he's talking to people in the underworld. And he's talking about now that Jabba's gone, who's the who's the next person in line, who's the big honcho now. So, you know, I don't know. I always have the opinion that, you know, I understand what you're saying about tattooing kind of being out in the middle of nowhere, but I, I think job is sort of a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's outer rim. Right. Also, uh, you, for you sure. know, including the prequels, right? Like, don't forget, like, he was the guy who commenced the pod racing ceremony. So, which which also was something, tattooing. That, yeah. something that kind of happened on a planet that yeah. no one cares about, made out of, like, junk racers from... Right. Yeah, I mean it was it's it's not the Indy 500. It's more like that that kind of like truck rally that happens in the middle of Kentucky that people are like, yeah, I'll go see it. It's cool. There's nothing else to do. I'm in Kentucky. Yeah. So sorry to everybody in Kentucky that's watching. I still think he's like the Godfather in the galaxy. He's just he's the silent hand. In in the Clone Wars, there is the most flamboyantly gay version of a hut that it exists and he wears makeup and everything. And he is hilarious. Yeah. I remember I that. I'm, I'm retreading that ground. I, I finally swallowed my pride and was like, I will bear through the prequels again. And yeah, but now yeah. I'm on Clone Wars cause I'm going to do the whole thing. Canon in order. So we, uh, we lost, we lost a, a significant portion of our viewership. Yes. Yeah. all right so we probably should have done this before but where can we find your work josh um you can find my work at joshuakemble.com and quarterlystories.com and hopefully i will be posting more work towards that comic being by the next hard check so awesome and scott where can we find your stuff uh, you can find me at cirqueworks.com. We're also cirqueworks on YouTube. Okay. And you can find my stuff at coreykerr.com and also on Twitter and Instagram uh, on, below Josh right now. So we'll see you guys in a couple days. Thanks for sticking with us. Victor is still here, which is awesome. And uh, we'll catch you guys on Wednesday. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Bye.